0: Welcome to Stumptown Soundcheck, our featured podcast today on our podcast co-op. This podcast is a production of Portland Radio Project in collaboration with Music Portland. Jamie Dunphy, your host, will guide you through the pulse of Portland's music scene, revealing its rich tapestry and exploring its significant cultural, economic, and societal implications. Whether you're a passionate fan of music seeking to delve deeper into Portland's vibrant music scene, or a policymaker aiming to better understand the intersection of music and community dynamics, or simply someone who is curious about how music impacts our lives in more ways than we realize, this podcast has something for you. Welcome once again to Stumptown Soundcheck, and here's your host, Jamie Dunphy.
1: Welcome back to Stumptown Soundcheck, our monthly conversation about the vital intersection of music and public policy. I'm your host, Jamie Dunphy. On this show, we're laser-focused specifically on the music industry, from the individuals grinding away to pay their rent and all of the infrastructure and hard work necessary to support this economy. So far, we've focused on the importance of music as a business and the role that it plays in the broader economy. But music is undeniably an art as well. I've never met a successful musician who didn't play from their heart and thrive off of that moment of expression when every eye in the room is on them up on stage. We've all been in the audience watching magic happen on a stage and sharing an incredibly emotional or meaningful moment with thousands of strangers in the crowd. Art is vital to who we are as people, as a community, and as individuals. Portland has been incredibly lucky to have such a vibrant art scene, and we've had some wonderful elected officials who went above and beyond to show their support for the arts. From Mayor Bud Clark's expose yourself to the art campaign to the well-intentioned but deeply flawed arts tax, we have defined ourselves as a place that loves art. But loving art is not the same as supporting the arts. Thus, the city of Portland and many regional governments are investing in our creative future a regional cultural arts plan, an updated understanding of our existing resources, our community values, and hopefully some strategic goals for how public policy and funding can be better suited to support the arts and culture of our region for the long term. More information about this project can be found at www.ourcreativefuture.org. With me today is City of Portland Arts Manager and former longtime Deputy Director of the Regional Arts and Culture Council, Jeff Hawthorne. Hello. Also with me is Oregon Arts Commissioner and member of the Our Creative Future Steering Committee, Subashini Nason Forbes. Suba was also the Creative Laureate of Portland for 2018 through 2021, perhaps some of our most contrasting years of our art in our lifetime. Suba is the founder and director of New Expressive Works and is an amazingly talented choreographer and performer. Welcome, Suba. Great to be here. Jeff, I'd like to start with you. Could you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and the journey that brought you to the role of city arts manager, and maybe a little bit about the values and vision that you're bringing to this art, to this office, and to this cultural arts plan? Sure, Jamie, and thanks for having us.
2: Well, I'm one of those people who had an absolutely miserable experience in middle school, just going through all of the challenges that adolescents go through, including an emerging awareness that I was gay. And I participated in some sports, but really struggled to find motivation for much of anything. And my grades really suffered for it. So when I finally moved to high school, and this was at Aloha High School in the Beaverton School District. I don't remember exactly how I stumbled upon it, but I remember showing up at a welcome gathering for the drama program. And I just, I felt like I had found my tribe and I totally immersed myself in theater for the next three years. Not just acting in plays, but running tech and designing sets and directing shows. And I found my voice and I got really good grades. So I really believe that the arts saved my life. But I knew I didn't want to be an actor when I grew up. And so I went into the theater management program at the University of Portland. And that's where I learned all about the business side of running arts organizations. And that was really fantastic. So I ended up working about eight years at Portland Center Stage uh, doing marketing and fundraising before I ended up at the Regional Arts and Culture Council. And one of the things I most loved about my 17 years at RAC was the interaction with Portland City Council and other elected officials to develop an agenda for arts and culture and investing taxpayer funds in programs that create more access for everyone in our community to express their creativity and participate in the arts. So that's my passion. And I'm so excited now to be doing that work for the city and doing only this work. So cultural planning process is our main focus right now. Like you said earlier, we're going out into community, not just Portland, but the broader metro area, including Washington and Clackamas County, to assess the state of arts and culture, to collect quantitative and qualitative data about how folks participate in the arts and and identify gaps and barriers. And ultimately, I think this plan will reinforce that culture and creativity are very important for our economy and our quality of life, and there are things that we can do to improve the conditions for arts and culture, not only for artists and musicians, but for the community at large. So that's my passion.
1: Awesome, Jeff. We're, we're lucky to have you leading this effort. And I'm really personally very excited about this plan because as we talk about on this show, there's a lot that the public policy and public funding can do to really advance these things as long as we have a really clear idea of what it is we're doing and where we're going. And just as an aside, you know, we first got introduced to this through Music Portland. and In fact, this podcast came as a result of our first meeting with the consultants and the music industry talking about this cultural arts plan. So already this process is getting independent feet entered and walking around the community. So thank you for all you're doing. Thanks. Suba. you and I, we first met prior to your term as Portland Creative Laureate, back when you were helping me contributing to the affordable art space plan. For our listeners, this was a plan released back in 2018 by the Portland City Council created to try and apply strategic policies to address specific concerns that were affecting the arts community. Only a few years later, when the pandemic hit, we had an entirely new challenges facing the arts community on top of the old ones. Before we talk about that, though, Suba, but would you tell us a little bit about how you've turned your talent and your passion not only into a career that allows your talents to be shared, but also now how you advocate for the success of all of us in the arts community and How do you balance that, like, all-consuming focus of building your practice, building your studio, and then your advocacy at so many different levels?
3: Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for that question. The best way I can say is begin with saying I don't really know what balance means. (laughs) I know that (laughs) I do what is necessary, which means I run an arts organization and there are necessary things that I need to do. Write grants, pay bills, meet people make sure that folks know that we exist yeah. and for those who don't know who we are new expressive works is a intimate performance base on southeast eighth and belmont i like to call it the back 40 of the wise real estate advisors building and we provide as affordable as possible spaces for rehearsal and for intimate performances so you can hear that is also a passion of mine in addition to choreography, and performing, and really delving into the nuances of the foundation in my life, which is an art form called Bharatanatyam, which comes from the southern part of India. I do a lot of contemporary work with it. So when I think about the three things, I think about my artistic life, I think about my arts administration life, and my advocacy life, the root, the passion, everything is fed by my art right? Mm-hmm. The way I make work, the way I connect with artists around me. Many folks who know me know that I'm quite collaborative in my creative processes. And then that somehow embraces the administrative work that I do and the advocacy work that I do. I don't have a formula, but I always know that I'm a little, little tense when my art isn't present in my life so Mm -hmm. i keep working to be very clear that that my artistic life is always holding my administrative and advocacy life
1: i think that that is true for so many artists i definitely reflect on that that i I find myself struggling in the rest of everything if i can't also have some way of expression out there Mm mm-hmm So to to both of you, and I'll start with Jeff, you're both strategic thinkers, you're both people who I've had the pleasure of working with for so many years now, and you both recognize the potential that a strategic cultural plan of any kind has a lot of long-term value. But what do you, in your mind, see as what we can call success with this process? What does success look like in general, I suppose, but I think more specifically, what does success look like when we get our creative future cultural plan finalized?
2: Yeah, I think for me, I'm focusing on success being that this document, this plan, this conversation is a true reflection of the community's voice and that the community really show up in this plan as an articulation of not only what artists and creatives need, but what the community needs and wants and yearns for in expressing their creativity and participating in the arts. So having Had so many people participate in the planning process that they take ownership of it and that community can use this plan to continue to advocate to elected officials and foundations and other word and other organizations to pursue any recommendations that are part of this plan. That's what I think success looks like. So we're just working to include voices from across the geography but also taking extra care to find and include folks who haven't necessarily been part of the conversation about our creative future before. And that means finding partners who can help us connect with culturally specific communities, immigrants and refugees, and also includes moving beyond who we normally or historically have thought of as an artist and making sure that we include musicians and makers and other kinds of creatives. So. All of which is to say, the more people we include in this process, the more valuable I think our findings will be. Suba, what do you think?
3: Thanks, Jeff. I had so many thoughts, but you're helping me frame a a particular thing. I feel that, and I feel like we're heading towards it, I'll be honest, since we started around November, right? Really helping our communities, and I say communities because it is a tri-county plan, right? It's Clackamas. Multnomah and Washington Counties. So for us to understand all the players who are involved in making arts and culture a reality in our communities, and how do we help support people to understand that whether you're an audience, whether you are a mom or dad going to your kids play in school, every single one of us has a voice And we need to use our voice to remind not just our elected officials, but our communities, our neighbors, that arts and culture is important. So this cultural plan, when the report, when the words come out and the data comes out, I hope it's a way it'll be successful if folks will use it as an advocacy tool, not just to go out and ask for more money, but really to say, look, arts matters. I'll tell you why. I have language. I'm empowered, whether I am an artist or, like I said earlier, a parent, a teacher, that all of us keep remembering that art and culture is really in our DNA. And if we don't have it, we can't be human. So I think the success of this report is seen widely and folks feel empowered to use the language and the data to speak about the value of arts and culture to their friends family, and elected officials.
1: How specific do you expect this report to get? I mean, are we, there seems to be the component of documenting and identifying in as broad of terms as possible who is within the umbrella of the arts community. And I really, I will say specifically, I have been really appreciative of the way that the planning process so far has been so broad to include folks that maybe it, uh, a lot of people in our community wouldn't at first blush assume are part of the arts community or haven't traditionally thought of themselves as the arts community. But because it is so broad, I wonder if, it, if that presents itself a challenge in getting specific in terms of outcomes or in terms of the results. How are you guys thinking about that from the steering committee and from the staffing position? But also, I know, I, I guess, how are the consultants who are actively typing away right now, I'm sure, how are they thinking <laughs> about it?
3: So I'm part of the steering committee and we have begun the phase of looking at data and looking at the conversation, community conversation, results, if you will, findings. So we have just begun that process. What is both probably exciting to all of us might also be the slightly frustrating part, which is it is still open-ended, how we look at the data, how we look at the findings and what comes out of it is happening right now. So I would say our consultants and folks like Jeff, whose staff and different city bureaus are have brought the information in. And so can we get specific is really what the steering committee is thinking about. What does specificity mean? Does it mean coming up with some ideas of where we can go, being very clear about what works and what doesn't work? Those are all the questions we're grappling with as a steering committee right now, Jamie. So I wish we can have this same conversation maybe four months down the road so that we can tell you how specific we got. So yeah, that's where I'll end. It's both exciting, but we're in the gnarly moments of how do we do the work so that everybody can be represented and folks don't go away thinking, oh, this is too broad. It's too aspirational. What do you think?
1: And don't worry, I will be having you back to talk about it once the report is out. (laughs) Well, that sounds exactly right to me. And
2: I suspect that there will be a combination of some very specific recommendations as well as broader suggestions that maybe we might take more time to explore an issue that came up in this plan. So ultimately, those kinds of decisions are going to be up to the steering committee, Suba and her collaborators on that committee. One of the things our consultants have been telling us and that they're really enjoying about this process is we've actually empowered the steering committee to co-create the plan with the consultants. In a Mm. lot of communities, apparently the consultants come in, they meet and hear from the steering committee, but then the consultants write the plan. Mm. Here, our approach is that these steering committee members and all of the ways that they touch Different parts of our community are going to help actually write the plan and write the vision and develop the recommendations. So I'm really excited to see what
1: comes What have other cities found when they do similar plans? The consultants who I have had a wonderful opportunity to chat with, sounds like they do a lot of these for cities across the country, have they told you anything about sort of how the next step happens afterwards or how these plans are received once they are finalized and given to their their governing body? What sort of best practices or things have they recommended?
2: Yeah, you know, it sounds like most cultural plans get adopted by the government agency that commissioned the plan. And then depending on the political will of the elected officials in that jurisdiction, they may or may not aggressively pursue the recommendations that the report includes. So often these recommendations include a recommendation that there be more investment in certain aspects of the arts and culture sector. As you mentioned earlier, there will probably be policy recommendations that help artists and arts organizations. Those kinds of things you mentioned earlier in your comments, the arts affordability plan, and that's something that shows up in many cultural plans, right? It will probably show up in our plan too. This idea that we have to have affordable spaces for artists to live and work. If we're going to retain them and the community will enjoy all of the benefits that come from having an abundance of artists and creatives in our community. And our last cultural plan in 2009, which was called Act for Art, identified the need for much more public funding for the arts and recommended a regional dedicated funding mechanism to support arts and culture. But unfortunately, at that time, there wasn't enough political will to establish a region-wide funding solution. But the city, the city of Portland, ultimately went it alone and referred a measure to the ballot, and voters ultimately approved that arts tax that you mentioned. Yeah. The income tax, which is thirty-five dollars that every income-earning resident pays, that generates about eleven million dollars a year to pay for our music teachers in public schools. So that was all of a direct result of our last cultural planning effort.
1: See, i I love the i love the value statement that the arts tax says about what our community cares about and the process that went into that. But I also think that the arts tax is a perfect example, and unfortunately, the arts affordability plan. Are another example where, and I will full admit to my audience, I wrote 99% of the arts affordability plan with my own hands. So I know this too well that sometimes there's a challenge and I really don't envy you guys right now because getting too specific can be actionable and exciting when people are there and have effort. But as the conditions on the ground change, as we know, things have changed over the last few years to the point where this arts affordability plan maybe isn't irrelevant, but isn't the super most relevant thing anymore on the other hand if it's so high level and aspirational as with a lot of plans that different committees and things not specific to the arts but the way that government tends to make these beautiful plans that are high level and high values and high cost but don't actually have staying power so trying to land that plan is very difficult and i am not envious of the task you guys are trying to do but Getting back to sort of the more the regional approach to this, as we were saying, some of this is not reinventing the wheel. We understand we have to go out and meet communities and get an updated idea of what is here in order to preserve it and what the community values are. But have there been any unique Portland challenges? You know, Portland is a, a uniquely weird place. <laughs> Has it, but have you guys run into anything that you feel is any, anything unique or challenging or things we should be thinking about more strategically or long term?
3: If we're talking just about cultural plans, Jamie, this is my first cultural plan on the steering committee, right? So it all feels unique (laughs) at some point. But if we're talking about the region and Portland, I think what Jeff spoke about earlier when it comes to the consultants recognizing how interested and involved even the steering committee has wanted to get into, I think is actually unique. I serve on the Community Advisory Committee for the Interstate Firehouse Cultural Center, right? And it's the same thing where we have a consultant coming in, the company for a feasibility study. And again, they are impressed by how Portlanders who are part of a community want to be truly involved. So I, I don't know if this is a challenge, but I think it is a unique strength that I'm discovering about the arts Leadership and advocacy community that we have where we care, we care a lot, and we care enough to keep our consultants telling us, What are you doing? Why are you doing this? How can we help? No, no, this is not how it goes. How can we help you to get to some spaces? Right. So I don't want to say it is unique to Portland as opposed to other parts of our country, but it's a trend that I've been seeing every time this kind of community comes together. So, you know, it's really encouraging, right, to know that we live in a space. I know how much Music Portland members have been contributing in thinking and advocacy. So that warms my soul and that keeps me going.
2: Yeah, I'm with Suba, I don't know enough what we will find is unique to Portland. We can anticipate what some of the themes are, including the arts affordability problem that we've been discussing. And I, I suspect that many things won't be unique, but what I have found interesting, and the steering committee saw some of this preliminary uh, research earlier this week is that, you know, we might think of Portland as the most arts-friendly community in the Tri-County area, right? But it turns out through scientific research and public opinion survey, Folks in Gresham and North Plains and Oregon City value music and creativity and arts education every bit as much. Yeah. Support for arts and culture is strong across the region. And so our consultants are really enjoying working with our steering committee on this regional plan because it's usually commissioned by a city or a county. But for this to be a tri-county area, I think they may be even surprised to see how consistent support is for arts and culture across the geography that we're serving here.
1: So this is a public policy podcast, and we talk a lot about both policy and politics on it. But I'm not surprised to hear that not only do Oregon City and North Plains and Gresham have incredibly passionate audiences and people who want to actively support the arts, but also incredibly passionate and talented artists of all kinds who are desperate to get their work out in front of new audiences and, and things like that. One challenge has always been that while the passion is there, the politics isn't there and that we haven't been able to get equitable input from the tri-county region in gen- historically. I'm excited that, you know, all these different government bodies have signed onto this process as a, as a sponsor of it. But do you have any expectation that that dynamic is going to change? Is there new blood or excitement to get actual public policy or public funding from Clackamas County, Washington County, Multnomah County? Whereas we, we all know that the city of Portland has been really carrying the weight for so long.
2: Yeah. I mean, if it is true that everyone in the region values arts and culture the same way, which they seem to do, then what seems, what what is happening differently in communities is whether elected officials recognize that or not, right? right. And we see places where elected officials do recognize it, and we see places where they don't recognize it. So back to Suba's point that we hope this plan will be an advocacy tool for the community to use for years to come. It's very important that if an elected body today chooses to defund the arts, that that community has the stories and the data to make the case for the arts and for funding to be returned bigger and better to support arts and culture in the future, either by convincing this round of elected officials or bringing people into office who understand the value of arts and culture in their community.
3: Yeah. Jeff, I just want to piggyback on that last thing you said, bringing people on into legislature, right? Who, who get it. I know, you know, public policy that we do right now is dependent on the democracy model that we have. So to keep this democracy experiment going, While I know we're frustrated and or tired and or concerned about what what our government officials can and can't do, will and won't do, I think we really, really need to remind ourselves that we as citizens should, I I use the word should, we must ask for accountability. And if there are people who want to run for office, we need to figure out how they can be there and be successful and think about public policy in strategic ways, right? So the answer is, it's, it's sort of a long-term thing. This whole experiment of democracy is dependent on us. Public policy is dependent on us. And sometimes we feel powerless. And how do we constantly build communities so that, A, when we feel powerless, we have someone to go to, and B, we have tools like what we hope the cultural plan report will look like to keep us going forward.
1: As you guys have been doing your outreach and as the consultants have been reaching out to different communities and trying to find these things, for you guys personally, what has been the most um, exciting thing to have discovered that you didn't know was already happening out in our community somewhere? I'm asking big questions. (laughs) Big questions.
2: I mean, we haven't seen all of this information collected and and organized yet. So I hear anecdotes that surprise and inspire me every time I go to a public meeting where people are talking about arts and culture. I'm not necessarily surprised by it, but I'm excited about the opportunity to quantify it somehow through data and stories.
3: Yeah, I mean, thus far, I will say not as surprised, but extremely excited that there are more of us, you know, Mm. and I would say the excitement also comes in how do we become more of a collective voice? So I think I'm answering this a different question. I'm sorry, Jamie, but more than surprised, I'm really thinking and excited about, yes, we have a steering committee now that will then dissolve, but then the steering committee and all these community conversations we've had, we have such a large wealth of humans who are wanting to do something about this project. How do we keep this momentum going? How do we keep this energy going? And maybe something, some things surprising will come up because of this that we didn't expect, right? That's sort of where my brain goes to when you, when you
1: ask that question. Perfect. I mean, that's fantastic. What are the immediate next steps for the plan? What should the public be waiting to hear next about this?
2: Yeah, so because the steering committee is actively going to be writing this plan, they are starting that work now. They're they're working with the consultants to sort and sift what we heard, to organize it into themes, and they'll start writing the plan this summer and into the fall. So the community can expect us to publish a draft of what we think this plan should be. That should happen by the end of the calendar year or or maybe in January. And we're really going to invite lots of public feedback on this draft of the plan and vet it with communities before we bring it then to elected officials in the spring of 2024 to hopefully adopt the plan and make some level of commitment to the recommendations it
1: contains. Wonderful. Well, Music Portland and uh, Stumptown Soundcheck will do everything we can to help amplify that and get as much good community feedback and extra eyes looking at this. Thank you guys for all the work that you are doing in our community to try and make sure that there is a long-term future for the creatives in our community. So, We have reached the end of our conversation for today. I want to thank my guests Jeff Hawthorne and Suba Ganesan Forbes for joining me to chat about the future role of art and music in our community. For more information about the Our Creative Future project or to get involved or learn about what has already been done, head over to OurCreativeFuture.org and we'll put a link up in the show notes. Thanks for joining us this afternoon for a conversation about the future of our creative economy. We'll talk to you next month on the next Stumptown Soundcheck. I've been your host, Jamie Dunphy. Stay safe out there.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Stumptown Soundcheck on PRP's Podcast Co-op. We hope you've enjoyed our informative discussion on Portland's music scene and its significance in our society and economy. Stumptown Soundcheck is a production of Portland Radio Project in collaboration with Music Portland. Our episode was edited by Daniel Lynn. Episodes air the fourth Sunday of every month. Until next time, stay connected to PRP and keep advocating for our vibrant music community.